Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 7th of December 2020 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 296. Hope you're all healthy. Hope you're all keeping on doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. I'm not sure I am today. Been a really hard few days. And I think with this show, all I've got are bullet points and I'm just going to keep uh, talking, just going to keep the words in motion, like keeping the ball in play so I can avoid a, a situation where I'm having to delete silences. Hopefully you will have got the Bite Size episode that went out on uh, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else on Thursday or Friday morning when it became apparent that over the last couple of months, and I'm sure that it is connected to the pills that I have been on up until, well, up until the last few days, I've got one, no, I've got two nights left on them, that I made that error where I thought that uh, using truncate silence on Audacity was the solution to all my problems, that I would uh, save hours of editing by using it. And I did save hours of editing by using it, completely unaware that uh, some shows probably went out with words completely missing automatically edited out because I didn't realize that you had to employ maths to actually work out how you were going to truncate the silences. And of course, I'm not a guy for numbers. And I think had I been thinking clearly, I would probably have seen that. So it was a real shock and a real kick in the teeth to see that. But uh, it's been an honest mistake. It's not a mistake I've made in 10, 11 years of podcasting until my doctor put me on some really... uh, Horrible pills that have made the last two, three months just uh, quite bad. So uh, taking Clay Lowe's advice, the key to editing a show, to to making edits minimal, is to just keep talking. And that's what I'm going to have to do. I might have to fill some silences with some noises like, ooh, which is a bit Jimmy Savile. So I probably won't do that. I'll need to come up with my own noise, but that will certainly save on the editing. Hand gel technique, I think. I don't know if I told you on episode 295 that I've been employing a new hand gel technique. I might have, and I think it came about because I've been left with the hand gel, the screw top hand gel. So I was having to squirt the hand gel onto the back of my hand to stop the sliding. I think I've perfected that now. I perfected it very quickly out of sheer necessity, but I bought some 99p hand gel, 70% alcohol, guided by a friend on that who said it was pointless buying anything less than 70% alcohol in this pandemic. And uh, I bought that in Asda on Saturday afternoon. Uh, so there's that to report. Also, no, it was the day before. This was Friday, the 4th of December. Really nice moment on Friday morning. My bus. No, it wasn't actually my bus. It was someone else's bus. I saw this woman running for the bus. I indicated to the driver that someone was on their way running for the bus. It was this woman and she wasn't the fastest runner. The driver gave me a bemused look as if to say, well, I can't see anyone in my rearview mirror. And uh, then he must have seen her opened his doors. The woman said thank you as she boarded. Thank you to me. Thank you to the driver. The driver smiled at her and then he gestured uh, to me his thanks for letting him know that there was someone uh, running for the bus. And uh, I gestured to the woman after she thanked me. I gestured to the driver after he gestured his thanks for my letting him know there was someone running for the bus. And I have to say, I think it was my best moment since 2017's Nine Elms Travelator episode. You might remember, if you're an old listener, there was a kid 
a young kid that fell on the uh, travelator, the down travelator at Sainsbury's Nine Elms, and I dropped my shopping bags. And it was an emergency, so I put them on the floor, the shop, albeit the shop floor, but you know, I wouldn't have done it otherwise for any other reason than what I saw, and I jumped into action, uh, picked the kid up, maybe something he'll remember when he's older. Unfortunately, I think that he was so young that he'll overcome that memory. It won't be like when I fell down the escalators at Arden and Hobbs in the summer of 82. I was old enough to still be able to remember that and remember how that man saved me from something worse, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how you view that incident. This kid will be too young to remember uh, his night in shining armor so that was a really good three-way with the bus driver and uh customer i had actually customer what am i talking about passenger i had actually forgotten my hand gel as well that morning and of all the times to forget hand gel this is where i am now i'm just forgetting things left right and center i've been carrying hand gel for 20 years and now i'm forgetting hand gel when we're in the uh, midst of a pandemic So that's the hand gel uh, technique covered. I'm using, well, I've created a paste out of water and bicarbonate soda. And I have to thank, uh, I think his uh, latest Twitter handle is Pustein. Let me check on Twitter. It's a really uh, generous uh, tweet from him. Well, uh, appreciated. Pustein. Now, I don't know how it's happened, perhaps from moving all the stuff that I've been moving ahead of the building works going on this week. I've got a splinter embedded deep in the nail of my right index finger and painful throbbing doesn't begin to cover it. It's been so painful I'm having to numb it up with painkillers. That's how acute the pain is. And uh, I tweeted about it today and he recommended that I use bicarbonate of soda, which I've never, ever used for anything at all. But there was a tub of it here. I don't even know whether it's within its expiry date. I don't know if these things have expiry dates. I didn't bother to check. It was an emergency. I created this paste with a, a quarter of a tablespoon of water. And it's in such an awkward spot. You know, you're creating this paste and smearing it onto the side of the nail and wrapping it in a bandage, except I didn't have a bandage. So I got a tuby grip, tried to create a little bandage from my finger out of it. Didn't quite work. I'm short of plasters too. But in the end, I've got a plaster wrapped around it. The idea is that you leave this for 24 hours and I may need a top up later of the paste because obviously it's in a, you know, it's on my hand, it's on my fingers. My fingers are going to get wet between uh, now and uh, tonight after I have a, sorry, um, poor cable management, uh, as Clay Lowe says. Just uh, move my hand, my left hand, and I'm bumping into a cable right away. So chances are I'll have to replace the plaster later, but it's feeling a bit better. Now, I think the idea is uh, I'm just trying to find the tweet here okay so you form the paste you clean the area with the splinter i'm not sure i cleaned it brilliantly you add the paste to the splinter area i've done that you cover it with a bandage haven't done that done a plaster you leave it for 24 hours after removing the splinter should be visible you can pull it out with tweezers the thing is i can see the splinter it's just right under the nail and one of the things my dad taught me well two things that i think i was able to do really well He taught me how to uh, fuse a plug, which I actually enjoyed because I couldn't believe that I was capable of doing that. That was in 1987. And uh, he taught me how to remove a splinter from anywhere, you know, just simply. And I'm sure you probably know this, you know, grabbing a needle, uh, sterilizing it on the oven, um, you know, on the hob and then just slowly picking away at the skin to remove the splinter. And I can do that almost with my eyes closed. This is the first splinter I've not been able to remove. I tried to go under the nail bed several times with a sterilized needle. Actually, I didn't have a needle. I found needles today after the event. And uh, I'll tell you why I found needles uh, today. But I was using uh, a staple And it was so painful. And it became apparent to me that what I was doing was just pushing the splinter further and further down. And the pain has been incredible. It's affected Star Wars football. Any contact between a vintage action figure and the nail. And I have been absolutely cursing. My swearing the last week, out of pure stress, my swearing has really uh, spiked. By the way... In case I've read out that tweet wrong or got the handle wrong, 
I don't actually have glasses at the moment. I'm using glasses that I shouldn't be using. So I do have glasses, just not the glasses I should be using because I'm still waiting for the opticians to call me with my new glasses. I think I might have mentioned on Thursday that I've given up on the varifocals. I did mention that on episode 295. And I'm hoping that I can get some distance glasses thrown into the uh, old deal as well. So I'll be working with three pairs of glasses. A couple of things to report from Saturday. I cannot move this left hand without touching this cable. I'm not going to get around to uh, improving my cable management until all this building work is over. It's certainly not going to... There's no point basically in doing it now, is there? Given everything has to be packed away in the next uh, day or so. A couple of things to report from uh, Saturday. Went out for a, a long walk on Saturday afternoon with a, with a friend. Gone to my aunt's first and uh, then met up with my friend and we walked up all the way to Battersea where I had to pick up some library books. Uh, One of the library books was a bit uh, dirty, got cleaned, but it's certainly not a book I'm looking particularly forward to um, tackling. But at the moment, the way I'm feeling, it's the books that are going to get me through this. It was also very good to just meet my friend. You know, we've we've reconnected in the last uh, few weeks It's been a a painful period, really, given everything that's gone on in my life and it put a bit of distance, perhaps, uh, between us. And it's been good to to reconnect with him and he's in a pretty similar position in his life and uh, he's been a sounding board and I've just been yapping and yapping away and he's just been letting me talk and also at the same time... Well, making allowances at times, there have been occasions where I haven't let him you know, let him speak because I've just been yapping because I don't really see anyone. As soon as there's any contact with anyone or as soon as someone calls me, I'm just yapping and yapping and yapping. And that is despite having a podcast twice a week. So we were chatting, we walked up Wandsworth Road and uh, southbound Wandsworth Road is a really, really grim road. Although it is interesting in that on the right-hand side, you can still see snapshots of the river these old visuals that gentrification has more or less uh, shut down further north you know heading towards Vauxhall uh, Vauxhall even those views have pretty much gone blocked now by all these luxury uh, buildings but not if you walk southbound but there was a particular shop that really stood out it's a motorcycle helmet shop which is a bit niche it's on a corner on a really grim corner there's no shops anywhere near it And I said to my friend, why would you think that that corner is the place to have that kind of shop? I think it had like a garage behind it, maybe a motorcycle garage. So maybe that was just a a front facing business for the bigger part of that business. And um, I think a friend when I was a kid had a similar shop. So they created a shop front for what was essentially a garage behind the shop. And my friend just said, that is a corner. You can't do anything else with it. You know, that is a corner. That is not a shop. Just leave it as a corner. And it's just really, really strange. But there's lots of little places like that when you walk down Wandsworth Road. There's also, as you head in towards Lavender Hill, there's a very curious puppet shop, which is, um, I mean, I find puppets a bit creepy, but it is quite a unique looking shop. It's a shop that probably deserves to be somewhere better. I said to my friend, why would you open a puppet shop here? I mean, it's been there for years. It's often just closed. But why would you open it there? My friend just said, well, it's probably someone who lived there, opened it, and it stayed there as a business. And it's established itself there as a business. And the kind of people who might buy puppets, you know, they might be entertainers. It doesn't matter where you're going to be located they're going to buy from a specialist and it's clearly a specialist shop just in a very strange place so we walked for about two or three hours it was nice I had intended to go for a run on Saturday I'd gone for a run on Friday night which had done me the world of good I'm running mainly now uh, at night I think partly because I want to test the effectiveness of the uh, high-vis vest crop top which I forgot tonight uh, more of which in a bit And I think the walk covered the exercise side of things, I suppose. Got back with my library books. I'd bought myself a tape measure, bought myself some um, tape as well, you know, to cover the shelves. I've just seen something else I haven't covered now. There's a, uh, uh, now I'm looking up and I'm seeing the clock hasn't been covered as well. 
So that'll probably need to come down uh, tomorrow. Got to work out how to protect the uh, sorry, protect the TV as well when these guys are here. Trying to get the uh, new Wi-Fi connection to settle down. Trying to get the boiler service. That's not quite working because the uh, boiler people are saying, well, if we can't find parking round your way, you are liable to a forty-five pound charge if that uh, engineer has come out and can't actually park round there. And I just thought that's really unusual. They started asking me, well, what's the parking like round your way? I said, I don't drive, so I don't concern myself with that. That is the driver's responsibility. That's the engineer's responsibility. I have friends who've worked as couriers. They pick up fines sometimes that they're responsible for. You take the risk of where you park. I don't understand parking. I'm not a driver. I just want the boiler service. So right now I can't get the boiler service. So that is a concern. Thankfully, since last week's uh, two explosions and the strange sound it was making as well in between those two explosions. I've not heard anything, but it definitely needs to be serviced, has never been serviced, and also it needs to be covered tomorrow. And also another reason for covering it is it means that the builders, when they come in on Wednesday, won't whack the heating on. You know, I'm really conscious that they're going to be leaving the lights on. I don't want the heating on either. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be freezing basically at the back of the flat. There's no two ways about it, but, uh, you know, I can't be having the heating on for seven or eight hours because I have to pay for that. So when I came back on Saturday, went for the uh, calzone conversion again, the little uh, meat feast again, first choice, keeping out the uh, Sainsbury's thin and crispy, spicy uh, chicken pizza and done it. I added some minced meat, which I'd uh, made because it was on the turn, actually. It had an expiry date of the 5th of December, but it was the 2nd of December and it had turned. So I'd done it before making a spaghetti bolognese thing. I haven't actually added the spaghetti. I'm going to do that now, tonight. So I'm eating later than 1,900 hours, which is the usually, uh, usually that's the latest time I eat. So this is, you know, I'm all over the place right now. The discipline, it's very hard to stay on top of the discipline. I don't do well with change. There's a lot of change going on right now. So my eating patterns are very strange. And uh, I added the minced meat and it was enjoyable, but I saw it on the plate and I told myself something isn't quite right about this pizza. What's not right about it? And there it was. I hadn't done the fold over. I'd forgotten the fold over. Thankfully, I did the fold over before I started eating it. But this is it at the moment. I'm just forgetting absolutely everything. Sweating the small stuff. Not so small this week, actually. Episode 296, Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 1607 facebook.com forward slash DRT. Available PayPal and coffee.com links at DanielRuizTyson.com if you want to support the show with one-off donations. Everything comes back to this work. Reviews on Apple Podcasts, of course, massively useful. Just one review in the last hundred shows. Well... I don't think that's me, is it really? Uh, most importantly, the best way to support this work is via the Patreon page. Uh, you got uh, bonus content every Thursday at the moment, the Odd Bite Size Episode 2. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT available. I think once I get past Episode 300 going into 2021, obviously I've got to you know face the facts that uh, doing two shows a week isn't really the best use of my time. There's no point doing a Thursday bonus show for such a small audience. I have to hope that just by doing a very good Monday show that that is enough and may at some point find its way towards a new audience who are perhaps, you know, inclined to support uh, the show on Patreon. Uh, you know, I think that might be the best uh, way forward for this show in the uh, new year once I get past that milestone episode 300 because otherwise I'm just um, chasing my tail and it's not much of a life. You may have also caught the first episode of trial you want the new Mixcloud cloud live show that i do with the uh, clay low that i'm doing with clay low at soul cruiser on twitter that's uh, 8 p.m to 9 30 p.m it was actually 8 to 9 p.m and then uh, clay just whatsapp me during the show should we go to 9 30 that's how laid back he is so i really enjoyed it it's, it's great doing something live you don't really have to prep all we have to do is prep uh, our playlist i dropbox my songs to him which i've already done for for this week in fact i've already done for the next few shows and uh, i really enjoyed myself that's uh, friday's 8 p.m mixed cloud 
live and there's also a twitter account for that uh show now at try all you want underscore i've joined uh, the overfed on the underscore front unfortunately the twitter handle trial you want the one that we wanted that's been taken up uh, by someone who's tweeted only five times and hasn't tweeted since 2011 that's always the way on Twitter, so uh, we decided to come up with the uh, underscore do please follow us on there and hopefully you'll enjoy the um, live stream. There's also a uh, listen again uh, link that you'll find on that Twitter. Just losing my way there with my bullet points. My handwriting is just getting worse. I spent about an hour, I kid you not, an hour on Friday trying to read a couple of words didn't know what they were and what I've started doing recently in recent months in fact all year I think is I just take pictures of the notes that I can't read and then just zoom in on them and try to make sense of them and I think my handwriting is just uh, getting worse in terms of a trial you want it was the first show on Friday Clay is working hard at improving the technical side of things the man is a real uh, nerd when it comes to that side of things and I'm confident he'll get us there he's already messaged me uh, tonight so Friday's show we're not going to be doing it on Zoom because Zoom apparently means that uh, the audio quality for these kind of shows is not the best so hopefully if you're tuning in on Friday night, you'll notice a difference. Uh, thank you to Canada for her, her nice contributions live on uh, Friday's show. It's always nice to uh, engage, uh, be, you know, engage with listeners, basically. You know, a bit like Minty Matt with this show. You know, it's, uh, it's nice sometimes that, uh, you know, people are actually uh, listening. Something last night, and I had to listen to it again today, during the day, because I wanted to see if it had the same impact on me. Episode 501 of Howard Hughes' The Unexplained had a guy, I think Bruce A. Smith, he's been on before, he's written a book or two on D.B. Cooper. If you don't know anything about D.B. Cooper, you know, worth uh, reading up on it online. The one guy to get away with a skyjacking in the States, or perhaps anywhere, and just completely disappeared after the skyjacking, parachuted out of the aeroplane, which was possible in those days, passenger flights. It was possible to do such a thing in those days. Um, I think these planes would have steps, so you could actually open a door mid-flight, and if you had a parachute, you could jump out. And this is what this guy did, along with the money he managed uh, to get. I can't remember the specifics, how he got the money, but it, it's not something that's ever crept me out that story i wouldn't even say well it is unexplained it certainly doesn't fall into the paranormal category of the unexplained and it's not normally the kind of topic that would unsettle me when i listen to howard hughes's show because i've been listening to it for years i think it's a brilliant show both the podcast and the live radio show i think the live radio show is just brilliant it's my favorite radio show but for some reason last night and this interview, a section of that interview, had played on the last hour of The Unexplained uh, last night on... Uh, I can't even get my words right. On talk radio. I'm not going to edit that out. I'm tired. And I was listening to it, and I was drifting off, and then I couldn't sleep. So I just decided to listen to that episode on the podcast, episode 501. And I think I was on the cusp of falling asleep, but I couldn't because... It was such an unsettling hour, the way this author was talking about the D.B. Cooper case and the potential candidates who are thought to have been perhaps D.B. Cooper. It was something about it that unsettled me so much. And I remember thinking, well, I remember feeling so unsettled that all of a sudden I didn't enjoy being on my, well, I don't enjoy being on my own in the flat but it doesn't bother me you know it's not something i'm scared of but suddenly last night or rather early this morning i realized that i was very unnerved about being alone in the flat and that feeling was so acute and that's why today i wanted to listen to the show again during the day to see if it had unsettled me i think partly because of the time i was listening to it originally that caused me to feel unsettled but it is a very unsettling hour of radio but you know there's just something really creepy about that 
case that I hadn't appreciated before because, um, you know, I've listened and read up on, you know, stuff on D.B. Cooper for, for a number of years. It is quite a fascinating case, but it never unsettled me in the way that it did early uh, this morning. So the building work, and I've started covering things up here in the front room mainly. I haven't even tackled the kitchen. I've got to do that tomorrow. I think it was always going to end up being a backs to the wall thing, although I do think I'm at the stage where my back has gone through the wall because uh, the last few days have been, you know, have been awful. The communal hallway, it's just, it's impossible to breathe in there. The amount of dust, the amount of paint powder, you're wearing your mask and you're still breathing this stuff in. And I'm just wondering, where am I going to sleep this week? How am I going to sleep when they do the bedroom? Because it's such a big bed. I, I said this on the Patreon show. I'm going to have to probably sleep in the front room. But they'll have just finished working in the front room. And it's going to be dusty. So I've got to make sure I have enough time to clean it. Am I going to be able to clean it effectively? Also, the workmen will have been here for seven, eight hours. So their, you know, their, their body odor, their sweat is going to be in this room. Will I have to air the flat while I'm trying to sleep? It's winter. It's going to be cold. So these are all things to consider and I have to, yeah, I'm going to have to sleep in another room on Wednesday night because I think they go into the bedroom on Thursday and that bed is just too big to take apart in the morning. So I'm having a really bad time, I have to say. I'm moving furniture about and I've realized that I've messed up in terms of Star Wars football by the way I had to start the Christmas Cup as an emergency on Saturday because I'm going to be running out of time to complete those fixtures and I've promised myself all year that that final will be played on Christmas Eve it is the biggest competition in Star Wars football it goes back to the uh, first ever Christmas Cup in December 1984, probably the greatest game of Star Wars football between X-Wing and Bespin, won by X-Wing on a penalty. Uh, sorry, uh, it went to a penalty shootout and it was Han Solo, small head Han Solo, in his last ever appearance for X-Wing who got the decisive penalty. So it's a game that's gone down in Star Wars football folklore and ever since then I tried to play that competition faithfully to make sure it's completed by Christmas Eve. Altogether it's 13 games that need to be played. I played the first four, only three goals scored in four, uh, four quarterfinal first leg games. Alderaan beat uh, Holders Tatooine 1-0 in the uh, first leg at Alderaan. So the Holders Tatooine uh, really up against it because Alderaan are quite a formidable team this season. There were two goalless draws, Death Star at home to X-Wing. That was a good result for X-Wing. Rebels played really badly at home to Hoth. Hoth outplayed them, but they might be concerned they didn't get an away goal. And then Empire, still unbeaten this season, beat Besbin already out of the League Cup. In fact, both of those teams are out of the League Cup. Empire beat Besbin 2-0 in the first leg. Those two teams remember, well, you might remember, they played at a similar stage, well, the same stage in last uh, year's Christmas Cup. Not last season's Christmas Cup, but last year's Christmas Cup, because it's just once a year. And Empire had won the first leg 4-1. The away goal that Besbin got though was a lifeline and Besbin beat Empire 3-0 in the second leg. So I think if you're Empire, if you're an Empire fan, you're probably happier that you've won 2-0 by a smaller margin than last season because you haven't conceded the away goal. Now, what's happened today, I've just realized, is that I've moved the furniture around. It's not finalized, but I can't move it now because it's late. It's uh, 1927 hours. I'm hoping to get a couple of games in tonight and another two tomorrow. So at least the quarterfinals are over while the, you know, while the builders are here. That takes some of the pressure off. I've turned the sofa facing me. So if I want to watch TV, if I want to watch the football tonight, Southampton-Brighton, is it? Or Brighton-Southampton? I don't know who's at home. I'm facing the wrong way, but I'm going to be playing some Star Wars football games, but I've given myself no space to kneel where I normally kneel to play. So I'm going to have to play for once with my back to the heater. So it's going to be very different. So for me, I suppose it's also going to feel like a, a once a year competition, but in all the time I've been here, I've never played with my back to the radiator. Also, I've had to move all the stuff behind the... Actually, I'm just going to remember to remove the mouse traps. I've forgotten about that. Let me just write down on a post-it note, move mouse traps. 
Um, I've moved all the stuff from the the end, not the mousetrap end, but the other end of the Star Wars football pitch, which means that you've got this wide expanse of wooden flooring now exposed. So it's almost like a 70s European football game, you know, those games with the old athletics uh, tracks. And that's what the pitch looks like uh, tonight. Let me just write this down. Uh, cover mousetraps or move I think I'm not going to cover them they're going to think why is he covering these mousetraps just move them put them back out when we're gone when we've left the virus in here for you to breathe in so um, that's the Star Wars football covered I'll give you an update on the results uh, next week I mentioned the truncate silence I don't know why I've written that down here a second time I've written a sign well I've, I've printed up a sign in bold and the idea is to tape this onto the loo lid and leave that lid closed i'm going to hopefully highlight it as well well not highlight it i'm going to use a pink highlighter around the sign the problem is these guys i don't know if they read english but hopefully its position on the loo seat will make them realize this is a problem worst case scenario for me they might just think ah this guy's anal he doesn't like us using the toilet but i do have to point out to them you know don't flush anything down this uh, loo as it doesn't flush properly and you know don't throw anything as uh, builders are prone to do you know i do need to get a plumber in but again that is more money so that's what i'm going to do it's going to be three very very difficult days for me they are very difficult already just the build up to it is absolutely horrible and has really really triggered an absolute meltdown my end before i go on to that had a really useful uh, theater meeting today just distracted there by uh, an email from one of the freelance sites create a poem or rap poem even don't think i said that probably poem or rap five pounds seriously who thinks it's okay to just pay someone five pounds and now i've forgotten where i was what was i talking about the theater meeting of course so i've made it to the final of a national theater writing uh sorry playwriting competition had to have a zoom with um with the theater and it was exciting i have to say i was really impressed with what they had to say and very, very ambitious idea, you know, not uh, well paid, uh, as is often the case with these things. So that's something to consider if I do win. It would be a lot more work again for very little uh, financial reward. But, you know, that's the nature of the industry. And it's it's a massively ambitious idea. It's a very, very different way of working, and I wasn't expecting it. It would mean a massive involvement my end, you know, beyond the writing side of things, and I don't know if I'd have the time for that. But it's certainly something that I would consider doing in future off my own back because it is a very clever idea. It's not that far removed from an idea I had of working a couple of years ago. And I think it's an idea that in a pandemic may represent a way forward for theatre. Uh, my friend who runs the Crouch End uh, Art House, he was telling me that uh, live streaming of theatre hasn't quite been the success people thought it would be because you still have to get an audience to commit to watching it live. But he says that if you can, if you can forget about getting an audience to commit to watching it live, you can just get it made and an audience can you know pay someone can pay to watch it at a time of their own convenience a bit like watching netflix so that's going to be the way forward he thinks for um, live streaming or well not live streaming but streaming theater and also he said and he is a theater guy whereas i'm not he said that the pandemic will have pluses in that it is likely to shake things up he said you know you know, and he's someone who's put on these old plays. He says, but how many times do you want to watch a different version of a play that's already been put on so many times over the last hundred years? It's time to see something new. It's time to give people, uh, writers, new opportunities. And, I, you know, I like that. I like that kind of thinking. It's time for something new. So I had the meeting by Friday. I should know if I've got through or not. I'll be disappointed if I haven't. At the same time... There would be more work involved, so I've got to consider that. But I'm really happy that I got the work out at a, at a point in my life where, you know, things are just rubbish and I was still able to turn something around in that uh, 
way and i was feeling so rubbish today and in the end the one person i didn't want calling me you know the people that are putting pressure on me and of course inevitably you know given the way things are falling for me right now it was that person that called and i spoke to them and i was just so restless i was chatting to them walking in and out of rooms thinking why do i you know why do i have to speak to this person i've got to find a way in 2021 of just putting you know putting these people to bed just being able to pull myself out of this mess and uh, starting again, which is what I need to do. Today has been so hard. One of the hardest days I have had in the last 10 years. I don't know what it is about years that end with zeros, as I was tweeting earlier today, and I'm able to maybe make light of it now. But for about four hours today, this afternoon, it wasn't even that I was on the brink of tears. It was that I'd gone beyond the brink. And I don't like that because I don't like being in that situation when I'm on my own. You know, what do you do with that? The counsellor last week was saying, you've just got to let it happen. That's how you feel. If, if you're feeling sad, you've just got to let that sadness take you and maybe you'll feel a bit better afterwards. I said to her, I can't have that. You know, I can't have that. I went through that 20 years ago when I lost my mum. That was two years of crying every day. And I think in the end, I was so exhausted that I came through that. And I became so mentally tough as a result of coming through something that, one, I didn't know it was possible to ever feel like that. Because, you know, when you're young and, you know, you're growing up, uh, you, you got your parents, you love your parents, you, you're always... It's always in the back of your mind that you're going to lose them at some point, but you can't actually see that happening. And then when it happens, it's, you know, it's like you're learning about life, what life can really be like. You're learning about the downside of life, the, the worst thing that life can throw at you. And it took two years to get to grips with that. And then by the time I got to grips with that, then my dad passed away. But because my dad had passed away, well, what am I trying to say? I had nothing left by the time my dad passed away. You know, I was all grieved out, so to speak. And I was relieved about that. The point is that 20 years on, for the first time, I think I am living through that again. I seem to have conflated the two things. And, I, you know, I've had uh, rough spells before. I had a rough spell 10 years ago. As I say, I don't think I do well when the years end in zero. And now I'm thinking today... Well, does this belong to the last decade? I mean, 2020, I think, is the start of a new decade. So I can't say this is one of the worst days of the last decade. This is, you know, the worst day maybe that I've had this year. But there are nine years to follow in this decade. So hopefully, basically, I was getting confused. And I'm getting confused now just telling you about it. I'm trying to work out whether this day is... It, whether it sets the template for any other bad days to come in this decade or does it belong to the last decade? I don't know. I think this is a new decade. For me, I always think, you know, 2010, that was part of the previous decade. I'm thinking 2020, the, well, when we're in 2021, I'm getting confused here. When we're in 2021, that is the start of a new decade, though I think I've got it wrong. So... Anyway, I'm I'm getting confused. I I haven't done that. Uh, I haven't made that very clear. What I can say is that today has been a, a dreadful day and it has been triggered by moving everything around because it's one thing every now and then reaching into a cupboard and finding the courage to remove an expired tin of fancy tomatoes that the export and get rid of it and say, well, that's another bit of a gone but it's another thing to have to move everything, to not have any choice about moving both my own stuff and her stuff and to be handling her stuff today and to be making sure that it was all protected and covered has just triggered an absolute meltdown. It really has. And it just goes back to, you know, the friend that told me, what was happening was, you know, I was grieving for a relationship and that, that is what it is. The problem is that I have not been able to move on because I'm stuck here. I have been stuck here for two years in this flat where we lived and then had that horrible period where we had to continue living together. 
reliving what my parents had done in 1991 and you know found myself 30 years later doing it myself and realizing just how difficult it was well I knew it was difficult as a kid you know seeing what my parents went through that was a really really bad year but to then be living through it myself albeit without kids was really hard but to find myself stuck in her flat to find myself surrounded by her stuff it's almost I'm creeping around this flat all the time. I don't open certain cupboards I could do with more wardrobe space, but I don't go into her wardrobe at all, ever, because I don't want to see all the stuff that she's still got there. And the best thing I can do is to find a way of moving out so I can have a fresh start, because for me, the breakup just feels so fresh because I've not been able to physically move on, unlike her. And uh, I feel like Billy Corkill, I have to say, now, you know, you'll get that reference if you're of a certain age and if you're a Brook, uh, Brookside fan in the late 80s, Billy Corkill, his wife Doreen left him. And it was really weird as a young viewer watching that and thinking, he's on his own now. He's living in the same house. His wife has left. He's living with his kids. And that's how I feel, except there's no kids. So I'm here on my own, and it's so difficult. And what I've got to do more of is get out at the weekends, certainly on the Saturday. And I might sound a bit more upbeat and resolute now, but for four hours today, uh, I was just uh, on the floor, on the floor beyond the brink of tears. And the last thing I needed was that call I had. The only thing that was positive about that call is that it briefly snapped me out of the meltdown and I realise I've got to try and be really tough on this call because this woman's just going to make trouble for me, you know, as I try to keep this roof over my head and I just hate having these people in my life. But the whole afternoon and, you know, tomorrow I've got to, before I put all the stuff away, I've got one interview for the football show that I've got to do tomorrow and I can't say I'm looking forward to it, but I know that it will be a good interview. And I did the first interview for the football show last week, late last week. Uh, started off slightly uh, badly. I'd actually forgotten to start recording it. And also had asked uh, the guy in question a, a question that he just took umbrage at right away. So I had to work at building a rapport after that. But thankfully, I only missed about a minute of the recording. So... I've worked so hard to get that football show off the ground that I think what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to try to launch it before Christmas. It's not going to be the show that I wanted to do initially. It's not going to be the polished thing that I wanted to do. But I think for my own sake, I need to get it out there. And it's also going to be a show that's not done in the way that I want to do it in terms of showing a commitment to, to listeners. You know, with, with my podcast work going back to 2010, it's a case of you've got to be out every week, the same day every week. And if you're going to have a break, you let the listeners know this football show isn't going to start like that unfortunately it's going to take a while to stabilize because of what's happened here with all the building work it's out of my hands and I need to make that clear to the new audience that I'm going to be getting along I'm not going to be one of those podcasters who just does a show as and when I have to make that clear also because of the building work and the uncertainty over it the last few months as I try to resist the work and you know, the time that has taken up, the time and the stress. There were interviews that I originally made my approach to do those interviews, you know, months ago now. And so some of those guests are starting to drop out. They don't want to do the interview. And that's unfortunate. That's the situation I'm in. I've also, I've now got no clients. You know, I think if someone advised me the other day on Instagram, you know, it's important maybe to just take a step back, you know, miss a beat give myself some time to assess things and try and get over this uh, this very difficult period. Now, people might say, well, he's saying he's feeling low, but he's doing a funny show with Clay Low on Friday nights, you know, and I'm glad I am. You know, it's it's important to find something enjoyable to do when things are so tough and it kills an hour and a half of my time and I really enjoyed working with him. It's a live show. There's no prep involved. We had fun with it, and it's fun to have a live audience engaging on the live stream. And tomorrow I'll do a good interview with this uh, guest on the Zoom for this football show. Those are versions of me. Those are things that I still have just about enough to be able to project those versions of myself. As I'm sure you do, if you're having a tough time, you might, if you're still fortunate enough, and I hope you are, to still have a job, you can then project that version of yourself in a different setting. You can try and be more professional. 
but this on this show, you know, this, this is me, this is where I am. And there's nothing to gain by being as honest as I can about my situation on this show. You know, it's not doing me anything. It's not getting me any financial rewards. It's going back in a, uh, in a way, in a regressive way to 2010 and oversharing perhaps. Well, I mean, it probably is, but that's where I am. You know, that's where I am. And when you don't have an audience, you might as well, you know, do what you want to do. You might as well talk about the things that are, you know, affecting you. If it was a bigger show, maybe I wouldn't. Or if it was a bigger show, you might be getting tweets saying, oh, you're this, you're that, you're an inspiration, carry on. And, you you know, you don't have to worry about the repercussions because you're financially stable. No one is going to be saying or no one is going to be trying to dictate your life and push you to do things that you may not want to do or can't do which is my situation at the moment this is me so it's been really hard I wouldn't have been able to do this show three hours ago I didn't think I'd be able to do a show tonight I went out for a run I forgot the high-vis vest crop top so I only did 4k in about 20 minutes I'd like to have gone on for longer I wore eight tops including four thermals and long johns and a hat and I still felt really tired and very cold and I don't think that did enough today for me tonight to counter the melancholy. It may be that I need to go out again tomorrow and take the edge off this melancholy because tomorrow will be a really difficult day. I know that it was a really difficult day because I contacted two friends today and I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not the last few years. I'm not the kind of guy now who reaches out to people if he's struggling. And today I was just thinking, well, I've got to talk to someone even if it's just sending a voice note, I've got to talk to someone because this isn't good. You know, it's not good feeling like this because I'm trapped here. I can't do anything. And today has been a horrible day. If you're in London, it's been a really gloomy day. It hasn't rained, but it's been a really dank and grey day. It does nothing for your mood. I didn't think I'd be able to do this show today. And certainly in terms of um, time this evening, it's not going to leave me with much time to play Star Wars football. I might have to do some day fixtures tomorrow to complete the quarterfinals of the Christmas Cup, but it will mean uh, closing the blinds because the builders are outside. They're still hanging outside the window like it's a meeting point, seeing lots of uh, cans of fizzy drinks out there, left out there. And if I close those blinds, I'll have to have floodlights on, i.e. the lights, and that will just be more electricity. Um... I couldn't have done this show today if I'd still felt as I did during the day. And, you know, people might say, well, it passed. It passed, but it was four brutal hours. And it worries me. It does worry me because I don't think that... I mean, I think I'm a strong enough person to deal with a lot of things, and you may be too. But I don't know how much mental strength I have left to be able to deal with that. It is getting harder and harder, and today really took me into some deep waters, and I'm just thinking, I didn't like that. I don't know, I don't know how much longer, or I don't know how much more I have to deal with that. I don't know how much more is left in me to deal with that. I can project these versions of myself in other shows, but this is what I'm telling you with this show, which is just, it's become a show basically about life, life in general. These are hard times. The pandemic has certainly left me feeling more alone, I think, than ever. More alone, certainly, than at any point in my life since the hotel 10 years ago and uh, surrounded in a flat by the belongings of, you know, my ex and, you know, so flat, so... Those belongings have to stay here, that's fair enough, but it just means that I'm almost afraid to open any drawer, any cupboard. It is really hard to be surrounded by this stuff, and normally just uh, I just function by keeping away from this stuff, and at the moment I've got no choice because everything has to be moved for these guys to do their work. Uh, today has been difficult I think tomorrow is going to be just as difficult I really should have got out and, and seen a friend who works around the corner the friend I saw on Saturday I didn't and at least I reached out to a couple of other people tomorrow I've got the counsellor in the morning and I'm worried because I've only got two more sessions with her and I know that six sessions isn't enough eight sessions isn't enough this is, this is an ongoing thing this is an ongoing struggle and 
I'm not sure that I've got the strength to get through this in the way that I need to get through this. I think these things, these emotions, this resilience you have to try and find to pull yourself through this, I think it takes something out of you. It leaves you diminished. And I don't think I have much left in the way of reserves. And today I was just in awe of what that melancholy can do to you. You know, you just want to stand up almost and just applaud it and think, okay, you are an incredible opponent. You are an incredible opponent. I thought I'd dealt with you 20 years ago. You're back for me and you are giving me a serious hiding. So when the opportunity presents itself to do something like uh, try all you want on a Friday night when otherwise I, you know, I might be reading or I might just not be feeling great. So it's an opportunity to keep myself occupied for an hour and a half. And it's horrible to be here, to find myself alone here, to, you know, even when that neighbour who I didn't like left back in January, who'd caused so many problems, and I remember him leaving, and I didn't even want him gone anymore. I just thought, well, that doesn't really help anymore. All the problems this guy caused for our relationship, it doesn't help me anymore. It does nothing. It doesn't really help. I just thought, you know, you might as well stay here. Stay here downstairs, I'll stay here upstairs, you know, I've lost everything anyway. Why are you moving now? And he went and I just feel like the last guy left on the show. Everyone's left except me, I'm here, you know. I'm not going to say that I was a subsidiary character who's suddenly been bumped up to one of the lead actors. I was one of the lead actors, of course, from the beginning, part of an ensemble like Kid Cop, but probably the lead actor, maybe. But to find myself alone here and all the other personalities have gone, it's just tragic. It's a horrible period. It is a horrible period. And I think that the creativity is one way of getting through it. But I'm not sure there is a way of getting through it if I feel what I felt today. And I can't feel what I felt today for much longer. Something needs to change. It's not going to be changed by the counselling. That's two sessions left. I appreciate the resources are stretched. This is where I am. This is where I've got to work my way out from. Can I do it? My answer is always creatively. I know that I will always be able to find my way out of something creatively in terms of life, you know, the reality of doing what you need to do to be able to function properly to rebuild your life. I don't know. I think this is a difficult situation. It's not the fresh start that I need. It's not the new surroundings that I need. It is very much being in a place just surrounded by ghosts. And I'm not able to summon the emotion that I felt during the day up as I tell you this. I thought I'd be able to, so it almost feels wasted. I don't know why, but it it felt important to me to be able to tell you just how bad today has been. And I'm telling you, and I'm not really sure that I'm feeling anything approaching what I felt today. It didn't really creep up on me. It was there from the morning, but by the afternoon, yeah, by the afternoon, I mean, it gave me a real good going over today. I've got to make sure that that doesn't happen tomorrow. I really do, because... uh you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday here are going to be an absolute nightmare. I don't want to be having a meltdown in the back of the flat while these uh, brutes, unmasked as they're likely to be uh, out in the front of the flat doing what they're doing. I've certainly underestimated from the beginning, I think, what this breakup would do to me long term, especially if I stayed here. And once the opportunity and opportunity in inverted commas here really because it's not an opportunity it was just something that happened and I allowed myself to fall into it because I was too stunned too slow to respond and I'd been focused on my recovery from my surgery and from the beginning I underestimated I think what this was going to do to me and it's now just really what is it I think it's, I don't know, I don't know how I turn these feelings around while I'm here. That's my big worry because I can't keep, I can't keep having these moments every day. 
which are really, really difficult, and they're expanding beyond moments. They're becoming, the moments are becoming periods. The periods are becoming hours. The hours are becoming, you know, most of the day. So that's something I need to, um, well, I don't know what I need to do. I don't know how I do this. I've told this story before. I remember the days after my mum had passed away and we were clearing her stuff and I was in the bedroom uh, reaching under the bed. You know, it was a bed frame and there was always uh, stuff because we were always just hoarders. There was always stuff under the bed and I was, I think, clearing away some of my mum's stuff or working out what needed to be got rid of. And, you know, I mean, this thing had just happened and it was just days on from it. And uh, my sibling came into the bedroom to ask me something. And maybe they knew Maybe they knew that I wasn't dealing with it at all, and they probably weren't dealing with it either. But as they spoke to me, I was crying, and I just hid my face under the bed so they couldn't see me, and I just tried to, you know, give a very quick response to whatever query they had. And that's how today has felt, except this time, instead of my sibling coming in and maybe seeing me crying or thinking that I have been crying, well, I'm the one that I'm not seeing myself crying but I know that I've been crying. And at one point today, I was curious about what that looked like because I'm just not a crier and I'm not that guy. I haven't been, I was never that guy, but for two years, I was that guy 20 years ago. And then since then, I've gone back to not being that guy. Now it seems I'm having a bit of a, a tearful renaissance. And I was curious for a moment as I walked to the back of the flat, moving stuff into the back room where I'm going to be holed up at least on Wednesday. I was curious what that might look like. What do I look like when I'm feeling like that? Because I can feel what it's doing to me internally. What's it doing to me physically? How do I look? And I was guilty of a little glimpse. What I'm appreciative of is that I didn't over-dramatize it. You know, having that acting background, Kid Cop, etc. You know, there is that, uh, or there might be that inclination to perhaps dramatize it like when my dad you know I think the first ever piece I did for Radio 4 was called Long Night at the Z Bed and it was about the time my dad back in 89 yeah 89 had told me one night I'd come back exhilarated from the London Cartoon Centre where I was I joined uh, the college to learn how to write comics I'd come back he'd taken the wind out of my sails telling me my mum uh, was gonna die soon he was, of course, the Stockwell soothsayer. His predictions were always out of whack, and he was ten years, uh, ten years out of date on that one. Though he tried to claim it at her funeral, and now I've, uh, as usual, lost my thread. No, I haven't lost my thread. I've remembered it. The long night of the. By the way, I heard someone today. No, I won't say that. I won't in case the wrong person listens. Let me just get back to that long night of the Z bed. My dad had got to me with that whole thing about my mum passing away and I was just a kid and I became very emotional once my dad had gone to bed and I tried to really visualise what that might feel like and it was horrible but it was nothing compared to what it really felt like when it really happened but I wondered today whether there was an element of that I thought well I could revive the long night at the Z bed night I could if I catch sight of myself and see my face all teary, I might be able to ham that up. I might take that further. And I'm glad I didn't. I did look in the mirror briefly. It was a glance. I didn't really see much, uh, partly because the lighting's pretty poor. There's scaffolding making the flat even dimmer. I could see that uh, I had some sort of semi-tortured expression today. I didn't need to uh, have a, a more extensive look at my reflection. It's what I felt. It's how I'm feeling. It's something I need to deal with. I have underestimated the impact of this thing. Now that I'm aware of it, I don't know what to do. You know, there's two weeks of the counselling left. That's not going to be enough. They know it's not going to be enough. I know it's not going to be enough. What do I do to try and get in front of this? Because I can't be having things like today. I can't do that. That is not going to do me any good. Tough time. Tough time. And I hope that things at your end are a bit better. And if they're not, I hope that you've at least got people that you can talk to about that. This week's Nectar Points uh, update. I've forgotten my breakfast update. Let me just uh, try and wrap things up with the uh, Nectar Points. My opening balance was 420. And when did I go shopping? That was the 3rd of December. I think that's Thursday after a 
very um com- no confrontational would be the wrong word adversarial perhaps uh meeting or appointment rather with the opticians on my way back from there i popped into sainsbury's got myself a gold blend refill uh some washing up liquid Dettol anti-back spray. My aunt had told me to buy some Dettol for when the builders go. Uh, just, you know, use Dettol and everything. But uh, normal Dettol is £4. I just bought some spray for pound fifty. Bought some more refuse sacks, some yoghurt, uh, tomato and herbs sauce, some all-purpose cloth, some anti-back wipes, uh, bleach anti-back wipes again. Oh, the first wipes were floor wipes. Uh, bin liners, I think the first one were pedal bin liners, and uh, four single oranges, 30p each. By the way, in um, Lidl, the cranberries, uh, not cranberries, why do I always say cranberries? The blueberries have gone up to, I think, 129 at the moment, which is still a bargain. They were often, or more often than not, the last six, seven months, uh, £1.55. So my points uh, earned at Sainsbury's, 14 points earned... That leaves me with 434 points. Points are worth £2.17. Will I get to the magic 500-point uh, mark before Christmas? Not looking likely at the minute. Not looking likely. But we can but dream. And I thank you all for listening tonight or whenever you're listening. I'm not going to be back on Thursday. It's impossible to do another show this week. I'll be back by next Monday with this uh, regular show Get those uh, shoulders back, keep on walking towards the sun, keep washing those hands. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson, and this start of the week I have been available. Mm-hmm.